Welcome to the Final Draft Great Conversations podcast. Today's great conversation is with Anne-Marie Tafew and David Stavinger discussing the inaugural Poetry Month. The Final Draft Great Conversations podcast is all about books, writing, and literary culture. My name's Andrew Popel. Every week, I broadcast a show called Final Draft. It's coming out of the studios of 2SER in Sydney. Final Draft is dedicated to exploring Australian writing, from debut authors to household names. Every week, we look into the issues that drive our storytelling and help you discover more from the books you love. These are the stories that make us who we are. 2SER broadcasts from the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and I'm recording on the lands of the Darug and Gunungurra people. I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of those lands, pay my respects to their ongoing connection to their lands. This is unceded land in Australia. A treaty has never been made. David Stavinger is a poet, performer, cultural producer, editor, and former psychologist. He's the author of two collections of poetry, the most recent of which is Case Notes, which won the Victorian Premier's Literary Award for Poetry. He's the co-editor of Solid Air, Australia and New Zealand, Spoken Word, and he's the co-editor along with Anne-Marie Tafew. Anne-Marie is a poet, editor, weaver, festival director and cultural producer. Now, together, Anne-Marie and David are joining me to discuss Poetry Month. It's an inaugural celebration of the poetic arts coming through Red Room Poetry, an incredible uh, poetry collective. Now, Poetry Month is going to showcase so much, including 30 and 30, there's going to be artists producing poets, uh, poets, poems every day. There's poetry workshops you can join in, Line Break, which is an online weekly poetry show, and for Fair Trade, conversations between First Nations poets from Australia and around the world. You don't need to hear this from me, though. Let's join David and Anne-Marie and discover more about the inaugural Australian Poetry Month. Thank you for joining me today. What a time, eh? I wanted to bring you something today, something to look forward to. August doesn't exactly have a reputation as the most salubrious month. as We all wake from our winter slumber, but this August promises to be packed with promise. I said promise twice there. Even from lockdown, though, you can join in online with the inaugural Poetry Month. I'm so excited to be talking about this. Red Room Poetry has brought together a showcase across August of Australian and international poets They've got something on offer every single day, and joining me to discuss Poetry Month are the programmers and producers, Anne-Marie Tafew and David Stavinger. Anne-Marie, David, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Oh, good to be here, Andrew. Thank you. So great to be here and uh, be packed with promise to start, yeah, with, to start with alliteration. Should we start with a promise? Start, but starting with alliteration, perfect. But we promise to be poetic. That's our promise. Today. I don't promise that. <laughs> I, I promise not to use the same word twice in a sentence again. <laughs> no, repetition. Repetition is a great a- poetic device. So, no, I think it's a great start, solid start. Red Room Poetry has, and, and together yourselves, have put together Poetry Month. But look, st- stupid question. Take me back to school, a place where too many of us leave our enjoyment of poetry, if that enjoyment is even fostered. With such a diversity of artists on the lineup, with so many ways to understand this form, what is poetry these days? Yeah, back to school. Uh, so it's spelt P O E T R Y. That's the starting point, Dave. That feels like one of those. What are those? What are those poems where you take the first and you just kind of acrostics? Yes, I think you know what what poetry. What is poetry these, these days? Is um, 
That's such a huge question, isn't it? I mean, and it's very hard to contain it into a concise kind of response. And I don't think any one individual can um, really respond to that because I think what Poetry Month is actually about is about reframing poetry as something in regards who, who gets to define what poetry is, how it's read, how it's written, who gets to talk about it. So poetry these days to me is, a, and, and I think in the Red Room context of this project, is a very broad continuum with a wide ranging audiences that enter poetry at very different points. And there isn't one way into poetry and it isn't one poetry. So yes, there's the poetry of school. You know, I remember, you know, doing, you know, William Blake and Henry Lawson and this sort of stuff at school. And it was only really when I was uh, encountered Auden, for example, as a poet that I was like, oh, this is great, fantastic, amazing work. But for me, my way into poetry personally as a teenager was through, uh, you know, great lyricists, which is definitely part of uh, poetry. And I think today hip hop is such a significant part of poetry, for example. So really want to emphasize there isn't there isn't one 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 poetry or one way into it, which I actually think is one of the most exciting things about where poetry is at today. Mm. For me, poetry um, entered via two key forms, and it wasn't the classroom. It really wasn't at school. I don't I don't remember ever being grabbed by poetry within within the the school environment. It was at home. Um, my heritage is Maori, and I remember Dad on the guitar and you know the wire the singing and and listening to those words and the rhythm and the the cadence and the the texture of those songs and then i remember mum reading mum was an avid reader and and just yeah her saying read this read this read this and you know all the classics so i had that real kind of clash of different types of forms and i guess they've really informed my my entry into poetry and I guess when we're at school, there is that push to engage with what what can sometimes, for, for want of a better way of framing it, can feel very stale, pale and male. Old, old white men writing poetry and it can feel very separate from our lives. And I've got to be perfectly honest, it wasn't until I found myself thinking about William Wordsworth in the Lake District in England walking yeah. um walking around Grasmere and I was just like okay now I get it and I yeah. am not going to be able to attribute this correct, correctly I think it was in a conversation with Eileen Chong um that it was pointed out to me that poetry is also so important in its performance and in its in in it being spoken and also like being in the place and connecting with the poems that that's had such a huge influence on me um yeah. And I, I wonder, is that that's obviously a part of Poetry Month, that connecting with the words, connecting with the performance. That's absolutely right. And I think the best way to, for, for anyone that's wanting to enter into Poetry Month, put your headphones in and go to the Red Room website and listen to the audio, listen, tune in, and really deeply, closely, slowly listen to the words, listen to the rhythm um, and be transported go to that place, go to your place. Um, yeah, that would be my, my advice. Yeah, I think, I think place and context is, is, is really important in poetry. Um, the, the geographic context, the psychological context, the cultural context of where work comes from um, and your context in how you receive it and your willingness to be open to the context from which it originates. And I think Poetry Month, again, 
there's such a geographic um, cultural and um, spread of form across the commissions and projects that um, I think is really exciting. So that, that really affects the range of work and sort of showcases the full kind of possibilities. And, and in terms of performance, absolutely. Um, I think poetry is, is as much a performed art as it is a written one, even maybe to a degree more so. Although I love both. I love both mediums deeply. It was actually the um, uh, US TV series, United States of Poetry, which really opened up what poetry could be for me. Um, there wasn't, I'd never seen poetry presented that way and who a poet was. So I think poetry was, again, kind of drawing on those kind of principles of, yes, it's performance, yes, it's in the air, yes, it's on the stage, yes, it's on the page, um, and context and place is very much part of it. Yeah, I want to go to I want to go to place and context and geography. Three really important words that you've just mentioned there, David. Because growing up again, you know, going through the Australian school system, poetry also has this huge correlation with bush ballads, and the consciousness can be dominated by Banjo Patterson and Henry Lawson. And I mean, I've got a <clears throat> I've got a friend who can just proudly, at the drop of a hat, recite the Man from Snowy River, which you know is probably more appropriate at parties at my age now than, than maybe when we were younger. But that's a particular style and a particular geography that doesn't, you know, speak to everyone in Australia, probably very few people. Where is poetry at in Australia right now? Um, I think it's rising to the, the lip of the cup. It's rising up. It's really uh, taking taking form in people's minds in a way that, say, sports and, you know, all of the other kind of parts of our society that sort of just sit there. Everyone knows when the Olympics are on. Everyone knows when the state of origin's on. And I feel like everyone's starting to understand and appreciate that poetry is a part of our fabric, a really important part of it. Um, I think social media has been an amazing tool for the rise of um, poetry certainly from a First Nations perspective, um, those voices are leading the way. And, um, yeah, I think a lot of teachers are utilising the power of poetry in classrooms as well. Thank God for teachers, you know. They're, they're really um, they're poetry weapons in a way. They're really out Poetry there. weapons? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're doing, that's one of the poetry promises I made at the beginning. WMPs. Um, yeah, <laughs> weapons of poetic destruction. Um, so, yeah, teachers are really understanding the power of um, poetry in classrooms to bring in students that might not necessarily be able to engage with other, you know, that might be struggling in the classroom, thrive when it comes to spoken word or poetry. When they, when they play a button poetry video, their eyes might, they might find themselves immediately engaged. Yeah, I, I think um, that, you know, the, the, the Henry Lawson's and the like and the Bush Ballad and Bush Poetry is still very much a part of, um, you know, the Australian poetry landscape, particularly in context of folk festivals. But I do think it's a bit of a lazy regional trope that that's what poetry sounds like outside of urban centres. There's, there's so many amazing regional voices, some of which you'll hear across Poetry Month, that are writing on their own terms, not this idea of what a regional or bush poet should sound like. And um, I also think there's a big reevaluation of the canon and a lot of those voices. Um, there are new voices that are be kind of shaping what poetry is today. 
a lot of them are very much um, young, uh, First Nation. Um, they're not, what did you say, uh, stale, pale, and male. Sounds like a flat <laughs> beer, really. Um, but, yeah, there's a re-evaluation of the canon, and 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 there's not such a need to look back and go, mm. we have to be sort of have this deference to what's been before. I think a lot of us contemporary poets feel like, yes, there's important things to acknowledge, but... Um, people are creating poetry in the here and now for, for the now into the future. And I think it's a really exciting time in terms of um, the type of poetry and, again, who who's leading that right now. So, um, yeah. Tensions are escalating. Mow the grass down. Stretch past pain to find poetry. The way home. Pen the past find home, right even the rain. Israel, ghost nation, stains the orchards. Is rage enough to sustain a whole nation? A dream of Palestine, free, alive. Pull the line toward life, ask the dreamer who gave the order. Who profits from slaughter to make a border, make a slaughter, O history, O language, burst without love, with love only, gauge the story, I said with love, listen, from the river to the sea, people riven from homeland list in grief ten sons ululating mothers in the grass that is Omar Saker with context in a broken duplex one of the poems commissioned for poetry month being presented in August by Red Room Poetry I had a fabulous experience with a student the other day. We were talking about poetry and he was absolutely flummoxed at this idea that he had to write 15 lines of poetry. That was his, that was his assignment. And he, he, he had this joy of rhyming. Like if it came to finding rhyming words, he, he could just make himself giggle uncontrollably at rhyming words. But when I told him he could also write about himself, suddenly this 15, 15 lines that might as well have been 1,500 just really just yeah. flowed out of him. And that, that sense that poetry is about so many things, including yourself, like yeah. is really freeing Absolutely. for him. I think it's really key there that you said that you kind of said to the student. So, in other words, you were the teacher in that context. And that comes back to that, the power of the teacher and often students or anyone writing, often the word permission comes into play, permission to write, permission to express. Um, and that's really what poetry is. It's it's a ticket to permit yourself to, to express yourself and to write and, you know, say things that you might not otherwise say, not necessarily to your friends or your family or even to, yeah, to anyone, your best friend. It's, it's almost a, it can be a secret to yourself. And I think the I think some of the natural kind of constraints that can be there in poetry, that sort of short distilled form, really really suits our contemporary world where there's just this information overload. But also, you know, um, platforms like social media have natural 
constraints in terms of characters. So a lot of people actually writing short form distilled things. Like I think a lot of tweets are actually great um, mini poems half the time. Like, We're utilizing that form actually. Oh, tell That's me, the- tell me about this because I was really yeah. excited. I might, I might get involved, but tell everyone. I know because you said you're a poet, Andrew. So I, I await your piece. <laughs> Are you allowed to say I, I said I write poetry? It's I, I wonder what the distinction is, but there is. So what is what is happening in Poetry Month where people can get involved? I love this interaction. Every day uh, from the 30 and 30, we've commissioned uh, daily poems and those poets who are well-known poets or authors who also write poetry, spoken word artists, hip-hop artists and public figures um, like uh, Dr. Carl and Grace Tame, who are ambassadors, have all created uh, daily writing prompts. So at three o'clock each day on Red Room Poetry's Facebook and Twitter feeds, a prompt will go up and you can write a poem and you can submit a three-line excerpt from that poem uh, using a hashtag. And we will select a daily book prize winner, but also at the end of the month, we will select three poets to fully develop with the Red Room team, their poems, and be published as poets with Red Room Poetry. The key thing there is three. Three o'clock, three lines. It's all mathematics. I mean, Pio, the great kind of anarchist poet, uh, Pio Do talks about... Do you know Pio, Andrew? Pio, he's a, he's a Melbourne-based poet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Legend, legendary Legend. kind of figure, commission. But um, he anarchist. talks about, he loves mathematics, and he talks about the relationship between his, his love of... Um, you know, find what he finds in mathematics, he finds in poetry. So, yeah, it's all about, I think poets do like that. They do like, uh, they're kind of like chaos and free form, but they like order as well. Mm. Contradictions. There is so much incredible stuff going on as part of Poetry Month. I wonder how much of it we're going to get to in this conversation, and we are going to try. Um, one part of the lineup that um, really jumped out at me is Fair Trade, which brings together First Nations poets from around the world in conversation. Amory, can you tell me a little bit about these conversations and the roles that poetry is playing in First Nations storytelling, as well as movements like decolonization and and taking taking back space? Yeah, I really love that you've just um, mentioned decolonization, Andrew, because that's kind of at the heart of Fair Trade. Um, Actually, fair trade has many hearts. How many hearts can poetry have? I know Doctor Who has two hearts. Poetry can have Does more he? than that. Oh yeah. Or she? They, they, <laughs> they, they have, um, they have two hearts. Well, I, yeah, the multiplicity of hearts of poetry. I'd say there are at least seventeen. So um, within fair trade, it's really about that decolonization process of decolonizing decolonizing poetry so throwing all of the rule books out the window and what we have done is turn to incredible indigenous poets um, in Australia so Evelyn Araluen, Tony Birch, Sam Watson, Ellen Van Nieven, who else is there? Ali Cobby Eckerman. I'm forgetting someone else that's remarkable. They'll come to me. So there have been six pairings. And what I essentially asked was each of those poets, in your dreams, who would you like to collaborate with that's an international poet, a First Nation international poet? And each of those people immediately got back to me with their dream collaborators, their dream poet weavers. So Evelyn Araluen has woven an incredible poem with Anahira Gilday, Um, a Maori poet. So we have poets from Aotearoa, Canada, Turtle Island, and um, a Sami poet, 
Sigborne. Sigborne is collaborating with Sam Wagg and Watson. So each of those poets over the past six months have been using um, digital means to collaborate, to write, um, and they have decolonised what poetry is and what poetry can be. They have merged and challenged and woven and healed and really created pieces that um, are groundbreaking and I'm so honoured and excited to be sharing them throughout Poetry Month. So it's really about reciprocity, Indigenous reciprocity, um, First Nations voices really going where in Māori you would say Pākehā, where white voices potentially don't go off the page, beyond the page. It's, I mean, I, I, I think about my reading. I recently got Drop Bear, Evelyn Araluen's debut collection, and I think about my reading and, and how it it invites you in, but then yeah. it, it just sort of it floors you. And it is a collection that I will read and reread. And to to have this opportunity to to kind of tune in and hear these discussions to get that insight, because that is another thing I, I find about poetry. All all art invites reviewing, rereading. But poetry just always gives so much on every new experience and I'm really looking yeah. forward to getting those insights. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. Poetry and particularly the fair trade collaborations, they very much do invite the reader, the audience in. But rather than just welcome them in and then close the door on them, they invite the reader to sit and really deeply listen and experience the work with the with the artist, with the poet. What about um, the ways that poetry is is able to use language then? Because it, it can so often feel in discussions around, you know, how Australia as a country might heal mm. or even before we think about healing, how we might start to listen, that mm. the words have been said and they've been reset, and it, it mm-hmm. can sometimes feel hopeless that the same mm-hmm. thing will be listened to with the same ears that have already ignored it. Does poetry in its versatility of expression, in its ways of bringing, um, you know, kind of visions to light, does that, offer, does that offer something new or something maybe new to experience? I won't pretend that it's new, new for the creators. Yeah, yeah. No, that's really, really beautifully put, actually, Andrew. It, yeah, poetry does have that way of shaping things that people have heard and heard before and heard before and and really re reforming something to allow people in and until we're all listening together that beginning of that healing won't happen yeah and i think a lot of uh, there is a there is a so there's a whole kind of range of uh, poets right now interrogating so-called Australia using poetry as the form um, the, the, and in some cases the fire in which to do that, which I think is um, an incredible thing. I mean, uh, go, going right back to like in the 80s, like Anya uh, Wolwitz's um, uh, incredible pro- experimental prose poet who unfortunately uh, died, I think, last year. Mm-hmm. Um her, her piece on her, her piece on Australia from the eyes of a, a recently arrived immigrant. Um, that it, it has been a medium to interrogate that, and increasingly so. And there, are, and I think that's um, 
you know, there's an idea that, you know, po- poetic imagery in Australia is sort of like, you know, pastoral and rural and like you re- referred to the bush, uh, bush poetry and there's a reclaiming of landscape and place and how it's described and who who sort of decides the terms of that, which I think personally was pro- is probably needed and been a really good thing. I've hyped up that Poetry Month is this incredible opportunity throughout August. And, I mean, here in, here in Greater Sydney, we're talking to each other from seemingly aeons away on different ends of Greater Sydney where, you know, we're going through a lockdown. The majority of the country is either in or coming out of lockdown. Mental health is this vital, if underappreciated, part of our lives. So many poets that I love, so many poets that I, I see as part of the Poetry Month lineup, they talk specifically about mental health in their, in their general lives. They talk about it in their poetry and their struggles with mental health. Um, I understand, David, this is also something that you address directly in your poetry. Can you talk about that role and, and the ways that poetry can give expression to our mental health and, and, work with, and let us work with that? Yeah, sure. Um, I think that, again, uh, there's this idea that poetry is primarily, with with some people, a kind of cathartic output, and particularly when you write about things like lived experience of um, the mental health system or um, uh, mental illness or diagnosis or things like that. Um, There is an aspect to it, but what I get really excited by is that there is a reclaiming of language and holding institutions to account and the euphemisms that they use in these spaces and I do that a lot of my work but there is a raft of us right now um, again um, reclaiming these spaces reclaiming these experiences through poetry Um, and yes I think it runs through a lot of the commissions of poetry month but Mm. we also at Red Room Poetry run another poet project called Mad Poetry, which has a number of different streams. And that came out of, uh, you know, community poets who lived experience in the Illawarra, but also draws on a long history of, you know, poets like Michael Dransfield, who was institutionalised, and uh, surrealist poet Benjamin Freider, who unfortunately uh, died from a clozapine overdose, through to, you know, Sandy Jeffs, um, Anthony Mannix. There's, there's all these incredible outsider lived experience poets as well so it, again there's i hate the word renaissance but there is that it's these poets always been there writing about this but there is an energy around it right now to document a real account of what um lived experience is like what it's like to be institutionalized what it's like to what what coercion looks like and it's very direct writing it's undeniable and um I'm really excited by what's happening in that space. There's a new poet um, and writer, uh, Ruby Hill-Smith, for example, fantastic, or Muhammad Arwood in Western Sydney, who, who's been involved in mad poetry. Um, and again, if you go to the Red Room website, you can look, check out amazing commissions on the mad poetry directly linked to lived experience. There is so much. Okay, so we're going to have to get to a list, just like a nuts and bolts to let people know about all the things in Poetry Month. But before we get there, we focused on the artists and we focused on the poetry. I want to flip that. I want to get a little bit more personal because 
people are going to be engaging and people are going to be listening. So I wanted to talk and ask a little bit about listening. Poetry so often communicates moments in a language, in a rhythm that's personal, it's private. You know, these are these are words coming from within people. And I, I wondered then what can a listener do to honour that space while still engaging with the meanings that emerge for them? You know, you may read a poet, you may think that speaks directly to you but if you're talking if it's a poet with a very different lived experience with a very different cultural experience I mean how do you listen and honor that as well Mm. well I think there's two parts to that Uh, I like two parts of things I'm a two-part kind of poet Um, numbers again mathematics but I think the first part is uh, personally and I know a lot of poets have this philosophy once you write something once you put the text out there, audio or print, it, it becomes something else. Even the first person is something else to me, you know, once you write it. So it's not so much interference. There's some sort of um, alchemy that happens between once you do that and then that is received by a listener or a reader and how they take that or how they see that or what that means to them. I, I leave to, I'm very much of the attitude I leave to the reader. I think it is, um, I, I think there are po- there is poetics, there is poetry though that does require you to broaden your awareness of context. Um, for example, uh, Omar Saker's um, commission piece is about Palestine, um, and I think you know you can't read that without having an awareness of context and the both you know in, in terms of a global sense, but also per- the personal meaning to Omar of that and what he's putting out there for you and offering to you. So, yeah, I kind of see it two ways. Um, But I think the biggest thing with listening is to just get rid of the idea to me that you're listening to a poem because there's there's an artificial kind of architecture to that, that you should listen to poetry a certain way or read it a certain way. And I think for me, anyone who feels unfamiliar to poetry is to, to don't view it as you're listening to a, a poem. Just listen, just just listen to the voice and the text and be present in what's being said or what you're reading. And if you need to reread, but get just get rid of the idea of it being a poem at all. I don't think that's a particularly helpful thing because then you'll find your own way to what poetry means to you rather than this prescribed idea of, of, of how you should hear it and how you should read it. I think the a, a food metaphor might be, are you going to sit down and eat fast food the same way that you're going to sit down and eat a five-star meal? So if you're going to be eating, you know, however you consume that poetry, however you take it in and really, you know, taste those buds of every letter, every word, just be present with it and enjoy it. Um, take it as a gift. It's an offering know that the poet has probably invested writes and rewrites and edits and and maybe not maybe 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 not maybe it's a five minute moment of uh free range magic you know like maybe it's 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 so hard to know it's so hard to know like uh (laughs) even the process for poets is so different so Mm. um just stay open i think just stay open to maybe be grateful just be grateful that you're able to even consume poetry um, it, it is a gift in our society and culture and enjoy it. And I think the great thing about Poetry Month is you can, you can the, the, there will be the text, there will also be video versions you can listen to and watch. So there's different ways to engage with it. And I think sometimes people 
the idea of like reading a whole collection uh, front to back. There's there's no rules that says that. Like, uh, take the pressure uh, off. Jump to a poem you like, or read three poems yeah. in the bath and come back later, and 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 come back six months later. Mm. You know, like it's not going anywhere. Go to YouTube and find any poem and listen to it and watch it that way. Um, sit sit with a friend and have them read to you. Read one poem. There are so many ways that you can. No, when you're playing hip hop, you're listening to poetry. Like just really flip it on its head. This idea of how to listen to a poem and when are you listening to a poem? On the plane, I wrote a poem titled "The Generosity of Flesh." It had a line about my armpit, the memory of our cat. Sleeping, nose to flesh. My vulva was a heart, folded away, beating. I used the word generous four times, likened my fat to an airbag, keeping me safe from eye darts and tongue arrows. I wrote it in the app on my phone called Reminders because I'm too fat to bend to where my notebook was kicked under my seat not without unclipping the belt extender. I open the app to change a word, but it's all gone, and I hear your voice telling me to use notes instead of scribbling thoughts in the shopping list which we share. They didn't have any Raymond Carver at the fruit shop, but they had extra Maggie Nelson, and my voice saying, I'm so bad at this. I don't know which app to use half the time. So I write this threadbare ghost poem in notes. Maybe it won't be there when we land. I wonder if you saw cat food on the shopping list when you were driving home from the airport. You are on 2SEL 107.3. This is Final Draft, and that was Chrissy Neen with her poem Cat Food. And every single day we have this opportunity... that's so true. How are we, how are we going to yeah. do that? But I, I mean, I, I, obviously, every single day we can do this. But every single day in August, this is this yes. is the moment. Yes. Why don't we start with thirty and thirty, which kind of exemplifies the every single day motif? And people can go to redroompoetry.org um, to get all of these details. But what have we got coming up? Thirty and thirty. Tell me about that. Yeah, there'll be a, a, each day we've commissioned a different poet, like we mentioned before, or author or um, ambassador, and they've written original poem. They're all very different in terms of form and content. We've got poems ranging from um, about cat food to dementia to the river to political to the moon. Poets First love Nation the moon. Exchanges right through to the last poem that came through is about Boyd Courtner, the football player, which That's is right. great. <laughs> so the subject matter is subject matter for everyone. So they'll be published every day on the website. We've pretty much made it easy for everyone to engage with poetry. Just know that every day throughout Poetry Month, you have a poem directly coming for you. So you can go to the website and check out. They'll be published at 9 o'clock every morning, uh, the poem and the video. They'll also be put up on our social media platforms. And then at 3 o'clock each day, a writing prompt will come out from that 30 and 30 commission, which you can write a poem in response to. And, and then if on people- Tuesday... I was going to say, if people want to, if people are like, yes, I do, I want to write a poem, 
But I, I don't know. I don't know. Can I write? Let's do it. There's work, do it. But there's workshops. You guys have got workshops for people that can they can build up their craft. That's that's happening every week. Am I right in yeah. thinking? Every Wednesday night, there's a workshop ranging from emerging voices over sixty, the intersection of poetry and comedy, uh, beatboxing, breath, beatboxing, and a great workshop to finish with the amazing Tony Birch on being present on breath and and writing in the moment, and thereby donation. So online, you can access anywhere you anywhere. Australia and we'd encourage anyone that's never participated in a a workshop let alone a poetry workshop please sign up this poetry month is for people who haven't necessarily engaged with poetry before yes we want you know current poets to to be a part of it of course that's a given but we're really hoping that people who have never considered poetry for them Mm. to yeah. Or they have, but they've been, like you've been mentioning, cautious, this idea mm. of needing permission. You don't need permission. Throw it to the wind. Poetry Month is saying, you know, he, 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 here's your permission. It's open. The door's open. What about if I just want my latest poetry news and I want to know what's going on? Like, what I, I, I need some sort of weekly online poetry You mean like show. a lazy kind of poet? Just like a lazy oh, just, poet? Just someone who wants the latest poetry news. Is there anything anything like that as part yes. of Poetry Month? Funny you mentioned this. Uh, every Tuesday night, Lion, well, Andrew, Lion Break, uh, we live streamed on our Facebook channel and the two of us will be co-hosting. It'll have latest poetry news, a little bit of poetry gossip, book giveaways, video book reviews, feature readings by poets with new collections out, amazing poetry satire with uh, Vijay Rajan, uh, amazing comedian and uh, poet, new spoken word commissions. Well, he it. from Publishers as well, which is really cool. Yeah, it'll mm. be brilliant. So that's every mm. Tuesday as well for free. Tune in through uh, Red Room Facebook. 30 and 30, the Poetry Ambassadors. We've mentioned Fair Trade, Line Break. There's there's so much going on. The other thing, um, just to throw in there, is yeah, oh, there's also a bunch of online showcases uh, which you can watch not only Australian pods, but there's an Australian New Zealand showcase. And next, uh, first up on Wednesday the 4th is the Poetry Month Gala uh, being live live and live streamed from the Wheeler Centre, and that's an incredible lineup. Wow. This is, it's really something to look forward to. People are going to be catching this on the cusp of Poetry Month beginning, and I would really encourage you to check out redroompoetry.org. Um, Anne-Marie Tafew, David Stavinger, they are the programmers, the producers of Poetry Month. They've joined me today. Anne-Marie, David, look, thank you so much Andrew for this Paul. generous open conversation. <laughs> thank you so much. Really grateful for really your appreciate poetic your, interest. Keep your, writing. Your particular passion for poetry. We will be looking for your words, Andrew. That's it for this great conversation with Anne-Marie Tafew and David Stavinger. We've been discussing the inaugural Poetry Month. And if you didn't catch the website, you can go to redroompoetry.org and discover more. Great Conversations is recorded on the lands of the Darug and Gunagurra people. The show is produced and presented by Andrew Popel. Stay in touch with us. I love hearing about what you're reading. And you can find Final Draft on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look for at Final Draft 2SER. If you subscribe wherever you are listening, you will have a new great conversation every week and bonus material that drops throughout the week. My name is Andrew Popel. I will be back next week with more great conversations from Final Draft. Till then, happy reading. Bye now.